Do you want me to count you in? Am I supposed to read the intro? Yep, you're the landlord. It's in my contract that I'm not allowed to be the landlord ever. Go. Script. You didn't put anything in here. Just make it you're up as you go the, along. You're not the landlord, but you don't give me the script. Just make I it up as you go along. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, it's just two of us. Uh, got Alan Blake. We're talking about uh, CWE number 500 was just hit. And we're going to chat about drones a little bit. You know, that's not bad for no script. We're, we are, I'm pretty good at this. We are known for our, non, for our non-scriptive podcasts. Unscripted content. Raw, unedited, and unadulterated. If Absolutely. That's if that's a word. So anyway. I think it is. Uh, yep. Alan. Yeah, man. Wow. It has been a while. It's been a long time. I think someone mentioned that we haven't recorded since, what, January or February? That's how long ago it was, and we're now kind of at the end of April. Yeah. yeah. I think our last one was, uh, um, what was the last one that we recorded? Good question. Um, wasn't it about some sort of CES event, if, I'm, if I remember rightly? We were talking about- Oh my about God, yeah. Print, it was no, that long ago. Electrical blinds or and, a, and, a, and a, an electrical toilet. And we were kind of almost reviewing the products. <laughs> Do you remember? That was a fun one. It was, actually. I, I, there was supposed to be a follow-up, was there not, in terms of some more products that we were going to bring to the table and actually give our opinions on. Because I think, if memory that, serves... That was midway through CES. And then there were still three or four days left for CES. So there was a lot of other products coming out. That was it. Yeah. So it was. Um, I'm just looking through the actual notes that we've got. And it was the the non-invasive U-scan, which you stuck into your toilet and it monitored the metabolic and reproductive health. So basically, you wee on it and it tells you whether there's something wrong with you. And we all actually thought that was actually a good idea for health reasons, whereas the, the electrical door or the smart door, which was mega expensive, was a load of pants. Do yep. you remember? So, yeah. I remember that. It's all coming back to me. That's it, huh? But it's out of date, so it was months ago. So we've got to we've got to be bang up to date with something really cool and interesting. Uh, well, so why don't we go back to uh, uh, to the stuff that we started with? Some wireless. Wireless? What's that, man? I mean, is that like magic? You know, a little things, bit. Things that just work miraculously. Is that what we're talking about? Is this one of you know a, a, a god's kind of miracle? Of technology is that what wi-fi is wireless wi-fi it's all the same thing right yeah that's why we it's magic which is why we make the big bucks it is it is so what are we going to talk about then if we uh, go back to our roots then um so it looks like based on all the twitter activity uh cwne number 500 was just hit and uh um that's a big that's a big milestone Uh, it is it's taken a while to get there, but it's it's still a big milestone. It is. It's 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 a big it's a big number. I would have thought we would have been at five thousand. I would have expected an extra zero. Personally, I would have liked to have seen maybe an extra zero. Wouldn't you? Um, I, I mean, I I certainly uh, would love to see more uh, more wireless people that know what they're doing out in the in the world. 
the the problem I think with getting high numbers with this kind of certain uh, certification is that it requires a bunch of other certifications that then all roll up into the application. Um, where if you if there was CWNE content that you could just study for, take classes for, and then just take the test, I think we'd be at a higher number than we are at right now. Do you disagree? Um, I do, and I don't. The reason why I would disagree a little bit was because. To become a CWNE really only takes professional exams as a bar of entry. Once you have your professional exams, you're effectively there. What is it that you've got to do to get your numbers once you've passed all your professional exams? It's effectively submit an essay or demonstrate that you've got what, three years minimum of experience in the field. Um, yeah, okay, you might have to have another certain, another type of vendor product such as you know Cisco, Rubo, whatever else. But that's pretty much it. Submit some sort of essay that justifies you, demonstrate the skills and the knowledge that you've absorbed through studying CWMP uh, courses and demonstrating that knowledge to be able to justify you're worthy of the numbers. That's it. I mean, it used to be essays or you'd submit a paper, but nowadays you can actually do what we're doing. You can do podcasts, you can write blogs, and you can keep those going and submit those to show that, you know, You've got what it takes to be to be CBNE, right? Isn't that it? I don't know that the podcast would uh, qualify as I I, uh, educational content for a CWNE application. I don't mean this particular podcast. I mean, if you're providing good quality content, and I say the word quality, that is up that standard. This isn't. This is just entertainment purposes. This is just for fun we've been around the block a, a long time to know that we don't need to use this, but we could use this platform if we really, really wanted to, to get really technical and, and provide that level of detail that's needed to reach the pinnacle of the CW, CWMP program, which is the CWNE. That's all good and well. So if you're doing that kind of thing, this is why I say it's so much easier once you pass your professional exams to pretty much demonstrate that. I, I, you know, Some may argue with me here. I've been one for nearly 10 years this year. Um, so my number is 129, and we're only at 500. So it just shows really we've not really made progress in 10 years, I don't think. Yeah, not not a ton of progress. Uh, I, I don't have one. Um, I've got, Why not? Uh, I've got SP uh, and NA and uh, DP, I think. Oh, my God. You've seen uh, a doctor about those, have you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it's mostly so uh, my... Uh, in my head, my next one was going to be AP, and I wanted to take the class with uh, with Peter McKenzie. Uh, and my goal for that was late 2020. Uh, so uh, around that time, everything shut down, and I just haven't kind of gotten back into it. Uh, I swapped jobs and have been kind of swamped, so uh, have not really had the opportunity. I really have to get back on it. Not that I don't want it. It's just not been a huge priority. It's not impacting my, it's not my, impacting my ability to do my job. Um, I'd like to learn more, particularly on the AP side. Um, I'd Let like to ask, learn more and do that, but ask, it, it's it's not something, it's not a requirement for me to get one in order to continue to succeed in Excel. Well, that's a great point you actually make there. Let me ask you this question then. If you got it, would it make a difference to you? The fact that you don't have it and you're saying it doesn't make any difference to you, it's not a requirement. What if you did get it? Would it enhance your career? I don't know. I, I think it would be easier um, for someone that was job hunting. 
um, that uh, you've you've got that credential and that can get you to the top of the stacks of uh, applications. Uh, but that's if you're kind of cold job hunting. If you know the people that are hiring and um, they know your technical ability, um, do the certifications even matter? In in fact, does the uh, if you're good and you know what you're doing and you know your stuff, does even the college degree matter um, at this point? True. We're in such a small niche market, aren't we, where the community isn't really big. And I mean, I suppose 500 series demonstrates that. But it's a lot bigger than I think we, we take it for. I think there's a lot of people on the periphery who, um, who you meet at conferences around the world um, who are actually engaged in the community, but not necessarily, I say engaged, they are there, but on the periphery, as in they don't actively get involved, they don't actively start talking and, and chatting, but they're, they're on the sidelines, involved in the industry, they're going about their business quietly and doing what they need to do to get by. It's pretty big, I think, the community. There's a lot of active players. There's the same old, same olds, such as you and I and, and everyone else who you know, wants to contribute whatever they want to contribute to the benefit of the community. But I think there's a, a lot of individuals I'd love to question and say, look, why, why aren't you getting your certifications in, in, in Wi-Fi, especially the CWMP track? Because I think vendor certs do definitely carry a lot more weight um, if you're in that particular role, um, you know, that's where you can certainly negotiate the pennies in your salary. Um, what does CWP actually give you? I mean, we respect it more, don't we, as a, a grounding, you know, a good foundation to build upon because it is vendor agnostic. It doesn't really give a shit about the CLI. You know, it doesn't really care about the AP products being the latest to market with six gig at six gigahertz or with the latest and greatest of the IEEE you know, adoption of 802.11, whatever letter comes next. We're not too worried about that because it's all focused upon understanding the fundamentals of what makes Wi-Fi work, applying that in your job and, you know, serving your customers well, because every role is different. You can be pre-sales, you can actually be support administrative. What good is a CROMP to someone who just works on the CLI and configures controllers for a living all this kind of stuff versus someone who actually goes out and does the design aspect versus someone who does the troubleshooting aspect, versus the integration and the implementation. It's quite varied. So it's very, very difficult to find out, well, what is CWMP really good for? Is it good in the US? Probably. It's bigger. Is it in the UK? Probably not. And it's still like that even 10 years. When I first got mine, that in the Europe, it's not as well received still. And I could be wrong, but unless someone else tells me, but I think it's a bigger, more respected certification for the US market than it is for the European one. It, yeah. So, so, and to be clear, we're not we're not um, uh, throwing shade at the CWNP program. That, that uh, all of those courses. I mean, I think the uh, they give you the, that great foundation, um, and I really like a lot of the instructors uh, that that teach them. Uh, the books are fantastic, and and they're great references to have when you're talking about just eight hundred two point eleven and wireless design. Um, so. Problem is because we've just hit 500. Um, there are so many buildings and there's so many companies that have Wi-Fi, and I mean we've hit 500 that you can have what one CWNE at each of the Fortune 500, and then what the rest of it doesn't matter. Like there's there's a lot of people doing good wireless, uh, and 
doing good Wi-Fi that are making do without a CWNE. Uh, you, and you know where all the CWNEs are, don't you? You know where they all are. They're all at Juniper Networks. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are. They seem to have hired every single one of them. Um, uh, so uh, that that and Aruba, I feel like Aruba's uh, I've done a good job of grabbing uh, grabbing quite a few of them too. Um, but uh, I think this there's the CWNE certification and. I, I think my opinion is that actual certification, uh, it's the culmination of a lot of work, um, but and it can get you your foot in the door at a lot of places, but you have to have the background and you have to have the knowledge and you have to have the contacts to, uh, uh, to keep going further. Um, the CWNP classes, whether that's NA, whether that's SP, whether that's DP, whether that's AP, those are just very good classes to give you a, a background and a foundation for you to, you to learn more and, and continue to progress. And, um, even if you're, uh, even if you've already gone through them, if you take that class again, the CWNA class, like you learn a lot. Um, I just think it's a, it's a lot of really good content and I'm, I'm glad CWNP is around and I'm glad they continue to have those courses. Yeah. I mean, they've also, um, what's the word I was going to use? Um, can I, I'm not very good with words anymore. I think all the alcohol has destroyed all my brain cells. Um, they've, um, what's the word when you kind of move from something, you're not stagnant and static in one subject. You've kind of. They've expanded? Expanded. That's the word. Yes. <laughs> well, they've expanded, haven't they, CWMP, into a different track, the IoT track, I suppose. I actually have the book, believe it or not. I'll show you as evidence, Chris, so that you, you, you do believe me. I brought it into the bar. I haven't read it yet. I've had it on. I've had it on my bookshelf for about three months now, and I read it every now and then. But then, unfortunately, I'm like everybody else. Well, I say everybody else, mainly just me. Where I read something, think, "Ah, oh, that sounds really cool," or "That's interesting," and then about a week later, I've forgotten it, and then I have I, that, to read it again. That's one of those. If you're not, um, I, I find that with a, a lot of technologies that if I haven't gone through and done something with it, I, I kind of lose it. After I've done that, I hold on to that in my head for a long time and it comes back to me. But if I just learn something and then don't touch it in any practical matter, it's it's gone. It's never coming back. Yeah, I agree. So there's also the expert track for the IoT as well, C-Wise. You're yep. well aware of that one. Do you know what number we're at right now? Uh, I have no idea. Nor me. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the number, so I don't, who cares? But I, th his... I thought you were trying to trick me and be like, no. oh, no, it's actually this one. But no, we're, uh, we just don't know anything. I don't know I mean, why we, you listen to us. Exactly. I mean, we could quickly do a Google like anyone else can. But I, I bet you this. I bet you there will, not, there will be the same amount of trajectory and velocity of the CY certification than there was with the CWME certification. And in fact, I think it will be slower. So I well, think it, I think it has it has to be slower because there's so many different competing standards across IoT that like we we had already settled on dot eleven um, when it comes to the CW and like NA um, uh, DP NE track um, like we were all learning one standard. There's just so many competing ones when it comes to IoT. Which one do you uh, do you focus on? I mean, and that that track focuses on different ones. Yeah, I think it's still good. I think the thing I like about CWMP and, and programs like this is that they kind of put it all into sort of like a sort and order for you. They they kind of you can go away and do your own type of self study by watching any type of video or read blogs and books, etc. But there's a very you know you, you but you kind of 
um, oh, again, I'm crap with words. The CBNP kind of keeps you focused on this is the cru- crucial elements of what you need to learn on being successful in that particular field. These are this, you know, there's still much to learn, whether you go, you know, vertical or, or horizontal, that is, you go broader or deeper, is what I mean by that. You know, that's completely your choice. I just think with the programs like the CBNP and, and those certification bodies that offer that, is that they keep it focused and go, look, this is the meat and potatoes. This is what I think is the more important aspect that it's almost like the common theme, I would say. If you provide a common theme that irrespective of who you're learning through, these these subjects or these topics will going to be the common ones that everyone's going to want to teach you to be proficient within this particular track or or you know field or whatever it is. And I, and I like that about the ECWMP programs. So there's nothing wrong with the IoT track. I think it's a really, really good way to kind of learn the basics, which is why I bought the C. What was it? It was the um, Solutions IoT Administrator book. So that's the the first, the CWMA equivalent for IoT. I bought that because it teaches me a broader range of topics and, and then it allows me to, you know, absorb something that's focused on what I need. It means I'm not looking at different blogs, videos, vendor websites, etc., to try and glean the information that I'm trying to glean because I don't know what it is. It's almost like they put a perimeter around the topic and said, this perimeter um, don't go outside of it unless you've passed this test and passed this course. You don't need to. And I like that. I really do like that about um, products like CWMP. So hats off to those guys. But uh, yeah, and their their source material is good. Like it is you you can trust. Um, like for the most part, you can trust what's in those those books. You're not you're not looking at random blogs with someone in for making uh, wrong assumptions. Um, that it's good content in there. You're not early on learning about single channel, uh, deep single channel architectures from Maru, um, that, uh, you're, you're, you're focused on good technical content. Um, you've got a good reference when you grab the books. Um, and you know who writes think, them? The community writes them. The community yeah. gets involved and write the book. So you're not talking about someone like Tom Carpenter, bless him, sat there trying to learn anything and everything there is to learn about different types of, you know, a two dot, um, Two dot protocols, we'll say, with another number and another letter, or different frequencies and different technologies that are operating over wireless technologies. He's not sitting there trying to learn it all and then say, right, I need to write a book about this and then write an exam about this. What's happening is that the the community um, are getting involved. They're they're helping to contribute to write some of these books. I know people like Landon, Peter McKenzie, um, Troy, Phil Morgan, people like that are involved. So hats, excuse me, hats off to those guys. Tremendous effort, and that's what we like to see. We like to see the community being involved and helping to actually write the the topics, the subjects, and the course content because you know it's been felt with a lot of love. Absolutely. Have Have you taken a class from Tom before? No, I haven't. I took uh, uh, one of the boot camps for uh, um, um, one of the boot camps I took was the the CWSP class from him. And Tom is just an absolutely great teacher. He's got this fantastic Southern preacher vibe to him, uh, in, in all the content. Um, I, uh, highly recommend if, if you're taking particularly the CWSP, um, that that's one, uh, I take from Tom again. And, um, that's like that, that one CWNA. And then, uh, I'm looking for, for doing CW, uh, AP from Peter at some point. Cause 
is there is there really anyone else you want to learn that content from besides nah, Peter? Not really. I think he is the the gold standard, isn't he? He's the benchmark. He's the one that is, you know, you, you, I don't know who else actually teaches AP because I feel like they'd be treading on his territory and, you know, maybe Peter would just silently assassinate them in the night <laughs> while sleeping in their bed in the conference. Um, so it, it's it's one of those ones where, yeah, Peter's, Peter's definitely the one to learn from. He's got so much to share. You know, there's always something interesting and it's the way he delivers them as well. It's always really technically oriented. And I don't know if anyone else can do it justice, personally. I, here's the thing. I've never sat on a Peter McKenzie course, by the way. I've only ever sat on one course. Yeah, it's funny. I've actually sat on one course, one CWMP course. Do you know that? Since I've been doing Wi-Fi since 2010. Was that an NA? Nope. Everything's been self-study, so I'm actually quite a genius. I actually read a book, took the exam, passed. Read a book, took the exam, passed. The only exam that I failed the first time was the security one because I'm awful at security and then the second time I passed it just I got the pass mark because I'm awful I'm just horrendous at security um but I took a course it was actually the design course with Devin Aiken oh okay and you talk about someone like Tom who is is a great talker and orator have you sat on a Devin Aiken course uh yes I uh took uh that my CWNA was uh, was from Devin was it so so normally these classes would you know, I did a boot camp at a uh, WRPC conference, and, and normally these things would be scheduled to run, let's say, from nine AM till maybe five six AM at uh, six PM. Sorry, uh, not with Devon. Not with Devon. You, you need an you need an extra week for Devon to kind of finish talking about what he needs to talk about, various different examples of well scenarios and things he's gone through, and stories and yarns and everything he comes up with. But the man is very, very endearing. You you kind of sit and listen. And you talk with him and he talks back with you and he gives you examples and he tells you this, he tells you that. And then he forgets that, oh shit, we're supposed to be teaching something to the topic. Let's get back on topic. But ironically, though he teaches you, still covers the topic, but he has to be taught in a way that has to be taught as an instructor for the CWMP program for you to pass the exam. It's a bit like driving. We can all drive, but you have to drive in a specific way that the examiner wants you to drive so that you can pass your test. It's no good following how I drive or because I might not know everything or might have bad habits. And I think Devin's the same. Not that he's got bad habits. Well, he has got bad habits. He talks too much. <laughs> Bless him. But he's a, he's a good instructor as well. Someone who's um, you know, definitely committed and, and enthusiastic and, and devoted to his profession. Same as Tom, same as Peter. Um, but one thing to mention, though, mate, you're going to go to the CWP party? Um, which party? There's a seat. Well, so the guys, Turley, 347. Boardman and Mackenzie, I think are going to try and organize what's called a celebratory we've reached 500 in 10 years pie. <laughs> are you going to go? Because I am. I don't know. Where, hopefully it's in Las Vegas or somewhere cool. But yeah, that's what they're going to try to do, I believe. Do, do I have to have a CWNE to go? Um, Good question. That would be interesting. It'd be a very small party if it was a criteria. I don't I don't know. They may do that. Uh, but that means you're just going to have to go and get yourself one and, and be 501 or 502. Why don't you be 501? You could be the jeans. Levi 501s. No, I think someone else, I, they announced 500 today, but there were a couple of others that came after that too. So, Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah. okay then. So being 501 is better than being 500, I think. Do you not? No? Um, I mean, it, it's good to have an easy to remember number. 
Well, the one you remember the most is your own. That's the truth. No one cares about anyone else's but your own number. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go to the party uh, if uh, if I can go, depending on where yeah. it's at. Uh, that should be fun. I, I mean, um, it's any chance to get together with a bunch of the wireless folks. Like, it's a such a great community. There's a lot of a lot of cool people involved. Uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun anytime we get together. And that's one of the reasons why I just absolutely love going to WLPC. Yeah, but you go to the US one, don't you? I do. You don't yeah, go to the European one. Uh, I've tried a couple of times, haven't been able to swing it, but, uh, we'll this, see, we'll see this, this year. year. Prague, October, get yep. yourself over, do a little <laughs> bit of a European expedition. That's what most of them do. They normally don't just fly out for a three day conference. They fly out for maybe a week and, you know, they fit in a trip a day in France and then a, a trip across a flight to such and such city in Germany. And then, then eventually they get to the conference and then maybe spend a weekend in Prague doing the sightseeing maybe another city on the way back and then fly home. So they, they, you know, you Americans love your tourism, don't you? You're going to Italy and places well, like that that you've never been and fitting those in while you can. Yeah. That, well, that's kind of what I do for the U S one too. It's in, uh, it's in Phoenix. Uh, and I, um, every year, either, uh, this past year it was before, but, uh, um, after just go up to an area around Phoenix, uh, what, the and desert? a bunch of hiking and, Go out in the desert, do some hiking, just beautiful views. Of more desert. Uh, beautiful what? views of more desert. Yeah. And some rocks. Good hiking. I mean... You you, you don't want to hike? Not a, the outdoorsy type? I am an outdoors person, absolutely. I'm just not a hiker of an outdoors. I'd rather have either a snowboard strap to my feet or a bike, a mountain bike, and do it that way. Uh, you can do that. Uh, the I guess the I think it's the REI that's uh, in Phoenix. You they do bike rentals, so you can rent it. They'll deliver it to the hotel, so you can have the bike uh, while you're at the conference, be, and then uh, they'll come pick it up. That'd be pretty cool. But but let's be honest. When I'm at a conference, I'm not going to be sober long enough to be able to ride a bike and enjoy the excursion. <laughs> uh, there there do seem to be ample opportunities to get together with people and have a few beverages. Just a few. That's the problem with this. Is you just get mixed up with the crowd, and, and that's it. You're gone. You know. I, I, I was going to name drop a few individuals, but oh, they don't listen to this podcast anyway, do they? So they're not going to even know who I'm mentioning them. But you know, you get together with people like um, Clements. He likes his whiskey. Uh, Jason Hintersteiner. He could drink. Oh, he likes he his scotch, does, doesn't he? You know, Von Nagy as well. He likes his beer. Um. And he gets very animated after a few of them about whatever topic is on his mind. Politics. You know, just mentioned Republicans and he goes off on one. It's like someone's pulled his cord and he's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, he's, he's too, um, he's too high up in the org chart now that uh, he seems to, seems to disappear after, uh, after the presentation. So he's sophisticated, is he? Oh, that's Matured it. like a fine wine. Um. We'll have to give him a hard time for uh, for this coming year. He better be there. Um, uh, Salonis had a pretty good presence um, talking uh, talking CBRS at the at the WLPCs. Yeah, I mean that's getting some traction because so there was an event that happened last week in Holland. Uh, Holland, you know, it's not Holland, is it? Do you know an interesting fact? I don't know if you know this, but it's actually called the Netherlands, but we call it Holland as well. So Holland is actually a region of the Netherlands, but the Netherlands is the name of the country. So just, I call it Holland, and it isn't Holland. It's 
just it's a bit like saying Subset. it's a bit like saying New England. Well, where do you live? You live in New England. Well, it's not really doesn't really exist, does it? New England. It's just a colloquial term of an area in the northeast of of um, uh, I was gonna say Scotland. Um, in uh, America, fucking hell, what is wrong with me today? You're 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 having some problems. I am indeed, but it's it's you know anyway. So last week in no, 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 I can't even speak the Netherlands, <laughs> there was another event on, and the reason why I mention it is because someone, um, even, I think it might be actually Ian Turley actually he was talking about private five G, wasn't he? I'm sure there was some tweets out there about um, private five G services, which seem to be becoming more and more prevalent. I wouldn't say popular, but there seems to be more and more conversations being had uh, about private 5g services that are being offered which is interesting i've not really looked much into this those types of solutions just yet because i don't really work with them and i haven't need to work with them yet at all but i'm hoping maybe in the future that i do because as you know i'm back in wi-fi you are I am indeed aren't i are you making an announcement no i'm just Telling my one or two listeners, probably Ryan listens to this when he's driving, I reckon. So he'll be having a little chuckle to himself going, ah, he's back at Wi-Fi. Um, our, our whole audience is like just the host. It is basically, yeah. It is. Ryan's the only one that listens to it. I mean, what's the other guy? G- G- I can never pronounce his name from from Norway. Uh, Germand? Germand? He used to be our avid listener, didn't mm-hmm. he? I don't know if he's still... Now that he's become a CWNE as well, maybe he's just got to the point where he's outgrown us. You know what I mean? He uses us, he used us for our content before to write his essay to get certified, and now he's outgrown us. He's got his badge and his numbers. He's moved on to I don't know what's the other one that the other boys do in the US. Clear to send. He's probably gone to those boys now. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I would. I'd do the same thing. They're good guys. Raoul and uh, oh, what's that? Um, what's the other guy? The French guy. He's 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 like the clever clogs one. Um, What's his name? Pierre? No, what's his name? <laughs> I'm just going to watch the struggle. <laughs> I've become really, I think it's just an age thing. Raoul and Francois. Francois. That's it. Sorry, Francois. I didn't mean to uh, belittle you there, but yeah, he's, uh, he's cool. Yeah, that's, that's the one you want if you want like good actual wireless content. Who um, else is there doing podcasts or podcasts? Sorry. I mean, I know the CTS guys, the ninjas don't do it no more because they're contract, contractually obliged to just talk about Echohal. Um, so they're not doing their stuff anymore. Who else is doing podcasts and providing good content? Do you know, um, there's a few out there. I've um, I've, I'm not driving all that much, so I I have really gotten off of listening listening to podcasts. Uh, but uh, I don't know who's who's still keeping it up. There there were at one point there were quite a few wireless podcasts kicking around, and uh, I mean, clear descent is. Uh, risen to the top and uh, and has stayed at the top i'm actually i think it's because they're professional yeah actually they probably do their own research they rehearse <laughs> <laughs> i think they rehearse and go i can imagine raul actually writing a script going right francois you come in with this thing and i'll come back in with this thing and it'll sound really really good you know once we're, when francois edit it up and it'd be like oh my god that's amazing raul you're a genius you need to go into the entertainment business, blah, blah, blah. That's how I think, that's how I think the conversation goes um, pre-recording. With us, it's just, right, five minutes before we go live and press the button, what are we talking about today, lads? Don't know. We'll just wing it. (laughs) Yeah. 
the, yeah, the the intro. Wait, I'm doing the intro. Yes, you are. Okay, there's no script. Exactly. Go exactly. for it. But sometimes they're actually good. Sometimes they could be crap. You know. Sometimes we're going to be like, uh, but you know, we we don't. Uh, that's that's not the point of the podcast. Like, no. podcast is just getting together and chatting. We leave it up to the likes of Clear to Send and uh, whoever else. I don't even, can you even name, let's actually try and name some other podcasts in, in the Wi-Fi industry. Don't Google it. I I am Googling. I don't even know. I, I remember there being, um, I'm trying to think. Oh, there's, there's the ninjas, yeah, but they're, they're not the ninjas. Yeah, that's they're all, not the, uh, that's they're all not I the ninjas have. anymore. They've been downgraded. <laughs> Who is it? There, there isn't, I can't think of anyone else. I mean, it's testament to clear to send guys that they're the only ones I can think of. Um, there used to be the hidden node, which was with Nick Turner and Joel. Yep. And then there used to be another one that you see Joel and uh, uh, Jerry what? used to kind of run with. I can't remember what that was called. Uh, well, so hidden node is still kicking around, although it's it's uh, um, it's more kind of the general technology and just whatever they're playing with. Normally um, plastic printing stuff. Yeah, some three D printing stuff yeah. or uh, or Apple things. Yeah, and then there was there was some old school podcasts, wasn't there? Like you had the Whiskey and Wireless, which was fun sometimes. That's I mean that's that was always fun. You know, it depends how drunk they um, got first. And then you had no. Sh- oh, uh, Keith is on uh, is on packet pushers now, so he's uh, he's doing a heavy wireless one. Uh, I don't even know if the first one has come out, but uh, what's that? What's packet pushers? You don't know what packet pushers is? No, is that like a new tool that's been released by Hammernail or something? <laughs> no, so it's a um, like podcast network kind of thing. Um, it, there's uh, uh, focused on enterprise networking. Um, so there's there's some folks that do Kubernetes. There's the Network Break, which is more enterprise technology news. Um, so that's uh, uh, that's Greg Farrow and Ethan Beggs. Oh um, yes, I know this guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've seen I've seen that. Is that where well, they're three of them and they're like like big burly security guards going? Is that is that them? Uh, that is that is them. Uh, and uh, Drew Connery Murray. Um, yeah. As well, that uh, that's the the network break one. But there's I mean they all there's a bunch on there and uh, if you've got a focus there's uh, there's some for storage there's uh, i think there's some for kubernetes there's some for automation keith is now on there for um for wireless which uh, which should be fun interesting um i'll have to yeah. have a look at that then uh and i like that's uh, i used to listen to, to network break all the time uh, i've got to get back into it to just keep my eye on the industry but uh it was a lot easier when I was driving more. Uh, I mean, I, I don't drive much at all. I, like worst case scenario is I'm a round trip to the airport like once a week. Uh, and I just don't get out of the house anymore. But what do you do though when you listen to a podcast then? This is, this is an interesting one because obviously we're doing a podcast right now. So a lot of people may just listen because they've got nothing better to do with their time. They realize actually I'm not going to learn anything listening to Alan and bloody Chris. Well, they might learn something from you, but definitely not from me. And they leave it, leave it on for the dogs. Exactly. exactly yeah, yeah, exactly that. So, but in terms of when I listen to, I've listened to a lot of stuff over the last couple of years, not necessarily wireless related, certainly blockchain related. Yeah. And the stuff that I've learned, 
And then there's stuff that I've gone, where do they hear that again? Oh my God, I've listened to so many things. I just feel like, I just feel like, sorry, it's a, it just becomes a bit of a, a, like I say, an unorganized mess of clippings going around in my head that I remember stuff. And I think I need to find out what it was I listened to because it was really, really good and it's really, really interesting and it inspires me to do something or it reminds me to do something or it makes me go away and learn more about something that they've been speaking about. That's the bit that I find really, really good about certain podcasts. So if you find one of those that really piques your interest, stick with them because they're clearly doing something for you. Um, I just find that sometimes I get frustrated that I'm listening to something really, really good and then I put it down and then forget all about it and then go back and go, oh, where did I hear about that? Because that was really, really good. But because I've listened to so many and they'll be damned if I want to go through and watch or listen to hours worth of videos on YouTube or podcasts again, just to find a 30 second snippet, which was, you know, informational for me. That's the bit that puts me off a little bit. And I get really frustrated at my ability not to retain information the way I used to be able to retain. Don't know what you think. I, yeah, so so it really depends on what the goal is. So so a lot of my podcast listening is is mostly entertainment with some um, w- with some information. So the um, um, like network break was good just to all right what happened in the industry this week, what acquisitions happened, but what are the big press releases? Um, where that was that's kind of a shorter show um, and fixed time, uh, and I knew what to expect there um clear to send uh like particularly their technology deep dives like their ax series when they started doing a deep dive on all right what are the new things that you need to know about when it comes to ax what is ofdma how does it operate what is twt how does it operate um when we start talking started talking about six gigahertz and they had chuck lukacheski on and talking about afc and how that's going to operate like that's the kind of like deep dive that was good while you weren't sitting down and like watching something at your your desk, but still wanted some deep technical information about what was happening. I mean, we can go deep, couldn't we? I mean, I really do think that if we wanted to, I mean, let's go deep right now, right? Let's talk about you and I. We can I, I can announce this. I mean, you and I work for the same company now. You work over in the US and I work in the cool place in the UK. The cool place? Yeah, man. England, a cool place. Well, normally at Sweden or Norway or the Antarctica, but... Yeah, that's the cool place. This is the coolest place, as in like, you know, cool, man. I just said I've, that. I've got a chest freezer in the basement. That can be the cool place. Have you got bodies in there? Like, dismembered <laughs> bodies. That's the only reason why you got a chest freezer, right? Americans yeah. with chest freezers if freak you- me out because I think to myself, they're going to dice me up. And and stick me in one of those, and then I'll probably be on the main course. That's in only, about only week. if you bother us, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but we and you work for a big company, um, telecommunications yep. company. Is that what they are? And we're yep. doing some really cool things, aren't we? We are. We're doing what we would consider large public venues, L- large public high venue, density yep. networks, and things like this. And that's always been something that mm. I've wanted to do in my career, because I've never really had the opportunity to push myself. I think that I've worked a lot of verticals and one of them being high, pub, high public venues, high large public venues and high density networks was something that I thought to myself, it scares me. Why does it scare me? And then 
when I get there, so I'm working at football stadiums right now. You're working at different types of stadiums, different sports events stadiums, not necessarily football ones, but you're working at, I mean, in the US, it's like NASCAR and baseball and stuff like this. Um, the, the, the stadiums I'm working in are a lot smaller scale, probably. You know, there's 50, 60, 70,000 seat stadiums versus yours are, what, 100 and plus? You know what I mean? And then just stink of burnt tires and oil. <laughs> but I always thought that that would be the biggest pinnacle in the test. But when I got there, I realized actually what I'm scared of. And I see a lot of questions in forums and Slack, et cetera, you know, asking um, things about, I've never done something like this. Got any tips, got any pointers? And I'm like, well, what have you learned throughout your career as a or wireless engineer? What are the fundamentals you might have learned from CWMP? Nothing really changes. It's just that you're doing it on a larger scale and you may well need to just re- rinse and repeat a few more of the actual kind of knowledge bits that you're going to apply. But the same principles exist in terms of there's still coverage, there's still channel interference that you've got to you know equate to, but it's on a larger scale that it becomes more of a challenge for you to kind of optimize and accurately get it to where you need to get it to meet the requirements of what the customer wants. But I don't think people should be put off by the sheer scale and magnitude. It's just... It's just going from an office to a warehouse and then you're dealing with, you know, schools, et cetera, et cetera. There might be certain requirements put on you in terms of capacity and everything else. But in terms of stadium designs, I didn't think it was as bad as I initially thought it was. And that's just because I had it in my head that, oh my God, large public venues, it's, it's a massive scale. I don't know if I'm good enough because I've never been experienced enough. But when I actually got there and started to realize it's not as bad as I thought because it's the same fundamentals as I've done for doing an office or a warehouse or a, an aviation hangar or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you um, when you enter the gates of a large public venue, whether uh, I mean stadium or arena, physics don't change inside of it. So the same fundamental design principles that you were using uh, in what carpeted enterprise you're still going to use you're still trying to get the signal as close to the client as you can you're still trying to make sure that that you're minimizing co-channel interference as much as you can you're going to have co-channel interference Mm -hmm. in a large public venue there is no getting around it you're just trying to minimize it in carpeted enterprise you can eliminate it you can't do that in large public venue Uh, You're trying to control power. You're trying to coordinate the channels. You might be tweaking a few extra knobs, but overall, um, the difficulty that comes with large public venues tends to be more focused on the physical install, making sure that, yeah, making sure that you're communicating with the install partner effectively, making sure that they know exactly where it's going, what your design intent is, how it's being mounted. Uh, Because if you make a mistake, and they mount it incorrectly and you need to change it, you're talking tens or hundreds of APs that then need to change. And that's just not something that you, you want to have happen. So your documentation just becomes way more important than Carpet Enterprise. If you if you have to tweak the location or point an antenna the wrong way and it's five, five APs, five antennas, whatever, okay, maybe it's a change order. It's probably not... Um, if the install partner says that they're not going to do it, you know what facilities can probably do it. Um, but it's just a, it's a different scale, and you just have to make sure that you're communicating that effectively. That the the physical part has been and continues to be the hardest part of large public venue for me. Yeah, I I want to just agree with that. That's been the eye opening for me, and it's the bit I'm the least experienced in because 
I'm dealing with, um, I don't know what you would call them, contractors or facilities teams that are talking about fabricating certain types of brackets in order to secure the access point, whether it's up in gantries or whether it's on overhangs. And these are unique challenges that I kind of have to own, but then I'm realizing, well, I don't have a clue about fabrication of metals and brackets, et cetera. I just need to know that my AP has got to go there because that's where it's been designed for. Uh, I don't care how it's put there. Go ahead and do it. That's your expertise. But I have to be involved in this because there's so much collaboration and coordination, not just with the customer because they have to accept and sign off because we're dealing with, you know, in a stadium, sometimes you might hang an access point and you're not going to be there looking at that access point hanging from wherever it's hanging. So it's not going to be an eyesore for you. It's not hanging in your, in your, you know, your lounge above your TV and you're going, Oh God, this thing's a bloody eyesore. There are certain areas, you know, executives and you know, boxes, et cetera, like that, where they don't really want to see it. So there's a little bit of aesthetics pleasing, et cetera. But the thing I will say is that um, for me, when you look at the initial designs of what's been, created or what you're you, you have to either work with or redesign yourself the fundamentals are always going to be the same and so anybody nobody should be daunted and the, the thing i'll share with people right and, and it's been my approach to wi-fi for a good number of years and it's been inspired by and i can't remember who who um who i remember who did it and i can't remember on what platform it was done, whether it was a, an Echo webinar, whether it was a WA webinar, or whether it was just a, a random one. But they, but there was, I think there was Sam Clements and a couple of other guys, and they were talking about what I consider the three most important factors that anyone has to consider for a design. And it can actually help you determine which emphasis you have on three important factors of Wi-Fi design um, based upon the vertical that you're working in. And I'll give you an example. If we pick an office space, carpeted space, we pick a, um, let's just pick a, a warehouse and we pick a large public venue like a stadium, right? There are three things I consider really important. Um, the, the, there are just three things to focus on that determines the success of your design. What would, you know, if I say to you, I'm not gonna put you on the spot, but would you give me one of them? Or could you give me something that you would say of three design parameters what would it be that you would focus on that would be hugely influential to the success of your design or or parameter that you would utilize that you would emphasize on to give a, a parameter or something you would tweak? I don't know if I'm being too vague, but do you get where I'm going? I so yeah so, so uh, um, a a metric that you're looking at. I, I would like the the, the primary the primary thing you're looking at is signal. Or SNR, okay, okay. Um, if you want to combine two. Take a step back. What does the signal come out of? An antenna? Correct. So there's one, the antenna type, right? Okay. How is a signal generated and degenerated or tweaked? How is a signal tweaked? By? How is it? Yeah. How, how do you turn by, it up or down? By a radio. Huh? Radio power, access point. What are you? So, so, okay. So power, transmit power. Okay, yeah. so two critical components of a design, I think, are access uh, antenna, transmit power, and there's a third one. Channel. No, don't care about channel. Single channel architecture exists, mate. Who cares about channels? Does it still exist? We were. You, you've mentioned it, alluded to it, in an environment where you're dealing with the physical installation, etc. What, what is it that you would consider that topic? 
if you were to say what is that called mounting or location Location. Three things I would consider were really important. Location, well, you can go go backwards and go location, transmit power, and antenna type. I think the three most important parameters of any design. If you focus on those three, I think you don't need to focus on anything else. Everything else will basically just f- naturally fall under that yeah. and cascade easily to the point of saying you need light and energy is a byproduct of, of, of that. It's a bit like saying it doesn't matter where your AP is, you know, you, you, you will you will be able to work out and determine what would be your coverage, co-channel interference, SNR, et cetera, et cetera. If you were to move your AP to a different location, you would change and affect that. If you were to change your antenna, you would change and affect coverage, I, channel I would say, and same with transmit. I would say everything else is solvable, but not that it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. I think those are the three parameters I would tweak if I would call them parameters. And, and, and so looking at those, the biggest emphasis in this in the large public venues that we work in I'd say location is the biggest emphasis of my access point because of the many constraints and issues that you've got with regards to mounting the bloody things, how high they could be in terms of, you know, stuck up 15 to 20 meters higher from an overhang position under seat well, all or that kind of stuff to the point of, yeah. Or if they're, if they're under seat yeah. is, is making sure that there's enough overhang that there can be an under seat. Exactly. So, so for me, seat. it's almost like when you deal with a certain vertical location, if I was to take those three as my top three, I'd say the emphasis is always on location. It, I'd not really give a shit about my antenna. I mean, it's important, but it's not It's not the one I would emphasize the most on. I would actually emphasize the most on location. Then I would look at antenna, and then I would look at transmit power, as in that order. That's the emphasis. Now, you go to a warehouse, I think it's going to be completely different. I don't think location is going to be a big of an issue and an impact because location is going to be okay where you can put it at the end of the aisle or you can put it above in the middle and use a battle axe antenna. There's the, the Celtex guys... Um, released which i've used and deployed or you know in, in aisles and things like this and if you've got a carpeted spaces well again antenna it becomes internal integrated ap's which are omnidirectional which basically means they just go up in the middle of the room and then they just provide coverage to everybody because of the nature of the beast so so location becomes you know product number three and as does the antenna so you're effectively looking at transmit power to kind of control. Well, I think it's all, I think it would always be uh, location and antenna kind of swapping priorities. Yeah. Transmit power, I think, is always uh, lowest priority because it can be changed. Um, yeah. So if you've if you've got the right antenna and you've got the right location, you've got a lot of flexibility with what that third one yeah. is. I just think that's just my personal opinion. I'm not saying it's the de facto, but I feel that when I watched that video, I'm sure Sam Clements hosted it and he had two other guys with him and they were talking about, you know, key parameters that could massively influence a design and where the emphasis and focus should be. I've taken that away and learned something and thought I will use those three principles and go um, in the vertical I'm working on or the requirements that I've been given in order to deploy a Wi-Fi design in, in a particular vertical based upon the requirements. It, it, it can change and it can matter. I've always emphasized on those three and that's what's got me where it's got me today i don't know if it's useful and people think ah, okay now he's talking shit but that's what that that's that's the truth of the matter i would challenge anyone to prove me wrong in telling me that uh transmit power antenna type and location there are three bigger factors to consider first and foremost over those three if you get those three right i think everything else um sits nicely personally i don't think you have to worry about everything else i think if you fuck up the location 
I think you fuck up everything else. If you screw up the antenna type, i.e. you put an omni instead of directional one, you're going to have problems. If you, you know, get the wrong type of transmit power, for example, it's too hot or, or not hot enough, that can cause all sorts of problems for the user experience. That's what I'm saying. Those three in a different type of vertical that you're working for, the emphasis should be focused on one of those particular three that would mean that you would get the best possible design to meet the requirements and give a wonderful user experience. That's what I'm saying. From the wireless side, I, I agree with you, but there are other factors going to Keith's napkin that charts out all of the stuff that is not Wi-Fi related that impacts the Wi-Fi. That if you're in a large public venue and you have one public IP address and you've got 30,000 people connected to the Wi-Fi, guess what? They're not going to have a great user experience because you've got pad exhaustion. If your DNS and DHCP servers are undersized, guess what? They're not getting out. Um, there's, there's all of the other stuff as well that you need to care for. There's the switching. There's the the power at the switching to make sure that your APs all have power. There's there's core routing, the security to make sure everything's segmented. I agree. I agree with all those things, but I'm going to say that Keith brings them up because he exhausted everything there was to talk about Wi-Fi. <laughs> That's the truth though, right? <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, Keith. Yes. <laughs> Um, but you're right. I but agree. No, they're, yeah, they're they're important as well, and you you need to look at you need to look at things holistically, um, and all of your dependencies that you've got. If you've if you figured out if you're showing up to a site and you've got core routing and switching, and the APs and all the cabling to connect it in, but you don't have rack space. Guess what? You're having a problem, and you've got to solve for that. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a tough one. Everyone's different. Depends who you talk to. This is the problem we have. There's no real kind of definitive sort of set of rules and guidelines. I mean, there is a helpful guideline that's been developed to um, give someone who wants a little bit of existence or doesn't have the knowledge. You and I don't need to be told what to do because we already know what we should be doing. and We apply what we've learned. And if we don't, there's nothing wrong with reaching out. I mean, the amount of times I've reached out to you a few times and said, can I pick your brains on this, can I pick your brains on that? And you've gone too busy, piss off. Or you've said, yeah, of course I can. Um, it's, it's not about how dumb I am. It's about getting the information that makes me succeed in my deliverables at the end of the day. No one else is going to know other than you that, Christ, Alan, you're asking me dumb questions. You should already know this, but I may have forgotten them or I may not actually genuinely know the answer. So don't be afraid to ask for help. What it's yeah, it's validating assumptions too, that you you yeah, may have thought of everything, exactly. but that that double check, that extra set of eyes, it's incredibly important um, when it comes to, particularly when it comes to larger, complicated installs, but uh, even for the smaller ones, that there's no, there's no shame in getting extra eyes on what you've done and asking someone to validate it. Um, and even if you're doing, even if you're putting stuff together for yourself, that I am a huge fan of, of checklists and task lists. That if there's a lot to do, it is very easy for things to fall fall through the cracks. So if you make yourself a list, you validate that, all right, this is everything that I need to do. And then when it's time to do it, um, I won't say it's mindless, but you've you've done all the hard stuff ahead of time. So you just have to follow your script. You do. And, and believe in yourself is what I'll say as well. There's a lot of people who maybe have doubt because they're out of depth or they're doing something new that they haven't. I think you just need to trust your instincts and, and go with your gut. And, and believe in yourself. If you've taken the time to study to get a CWNE, DP uh, analysis, or even got the CWNE tracked, etc., 
you can pretty much work in any vertical. You can work in any type of wireless system, to be fair. Um, it doesn't matter whether you're on a boat, a terminal, or a stadium, or in a cave, in a mine, or you're dealing with vehicles. Honestly, the principles all apply the same. You know, there's there's radios, they need coverage, and all the other stuff just is, you know, it's just going to be there, but it don't look at it as a CCI is bad kind of scenario, isn't it? Which is what we've kind of echoed in the past. Just get on with it. Just deliver to what the requirements are. And the only thing I will say, actually, is that sometimes the requirements in large public venues, I think the expectations are negotiated to say that you're not going to get next 67 or you're going to get, you know, 100 meg throughput for every single user. It's not going to happen. I think there's a level of expectation that says you're dealing with, you know, large numbers of users associated to access points. These access points can manage, let's say, 100 associations. However, those actually transmitting data in terms of the user behavior is probably going to be 50% less, right? So the capacity there means that we could support more than uh, 100 users, but maybe not 100 concurrent users, or maybe we can support 100 users. Sorry, I said that wrong. Maybe we can support 100 associations. However, there would be only 50 users concurrently maybe actively transmitting data, and that could be the maximum capacity that we could cope with but the throughput numbers may only give you something like four to seven to eight to ten meg versus something like you know oh i've got mcs 11 and i've got a two spatial stream device i should be getting blah 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 this is where you need to set expectations in terms of rf and and half i was gonna say medium duplex what the hell is that half duplex scenarios this is where you need to kind of understand the fundamentals kick in expectations need to be set office spaces yeah people can just connect and just grab as much of the of the airway and the, the data as they as they want and the bandwidth as they want right whereas you know different types of requirements and expectations are met at different different verticals and a large part of the venues is a different set of requirements and expectations isn't I, it? it yeah so uh in in carpeted offices 20 megabit per second per client might be a perfectly valid yeah. um uh, target. Um, let's do the math for an or an eighteen thousand seat arena. Um, so I don't know which carrier is providing a three hundred and sixty gigabit per second internet pipe that they would need to have twenty megabit per second for eighteen thousand people. You've got to validate and verify that those those requirements and those assumptions and uh, uh, object to them early. This is a lot of network people that write these that don't understand Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's true. Normally the sales guy, isn't it? That sells the product or the solution to the customer and says, there you go. Yeah, we'll be fine. I'll get my techies to sort out. And then the techies go, what the hell? And that's the challenge half the time. It, it is what it is. It, it's normally big businesses that we work for, you know, selling solutions to other big businesses and then we go in there and then things do get changed and modified as you go to say, well, we said we do this, but we can't really do that because you've put this constraint on us because we were going to put it there and we can't put it there. So we got out of jail for this particular uh, requirement, haven't we? I, that's, that's the basic yeah, way it works. Yeah. So for, yeah. So for some of the venue stuff, I mean, there's, there's always trade-offs there is. Yeah. Um, that, that when we, when we're talking about aesthetics, all right, well, we don't want it in the middle of the room above the, above the VIPs, we want it at the back of the room. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, or at the, or at the front of the room and we want an antenna going down and we want it behind the, 
drywall and like all of that, that's a compromise. And it may be a compromise that the customer is willing to take. You, your job is to communicate what that compromise is taking away from the user experience um, and the, the cons of it. Uh, and if they still say, no, that's what we want to do, that's their decision. Yeah. So we probably should throw in a bit more 802.11 numbers, um, quote some really technical jargon like uh, spatial streams and uh, modulation scheme, BPKST147, so that we demonstrate that we've gone really, really, really deep on this podcast. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Now we can submit this for my CWD. Ah, yeah, we could do actually. I mean, I could be your uh, endorser if you want, or whatever the word is. What's the word for someone who's supposed to be your kind of, not reference, is it, or whatever it is? Uh, is that, uh, it's a sponsor, is it right? a sponsor? I don't think it was a sponsor. I thought it was someone, someone who's endorsed, someone who endorses you to say, I certify that I know uh, Chris Reed to be of eloquent standing and uphold the liberties and services of a wireless engineer. Make may God I, I, strike I me down. <laughs> I, I don't know that I want you as my sponsor. I want someone well-respected in the industry. I am well-respected in the industry. <laughs> I mean, you'd learn a lot from me, Chris. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, shall we, uh, shall it, we say? Is that shall it? Shall we say? I think that's a good. Yeah, we've been on it for an hour, man. I mean, we just talked. How did that happen? Eight. When we get in the zone, we get in the zone and we just gas. And we, talk, we talked about Wi-Fi for a change. You know what I mean? It was it wasn't very That's... generalistic. Next time you need to get Dan back and talk about Tesla cars and electric cars and all that kind of crap. Absolutely, I've been I've been waiting to give him a hard time about that uh, that Tesla that he bought. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll give him some grilling. That'll be funny because I want to know I want to know how he ended up putting Hammer on his uh, Tesla dashboard. That was that was class. I need to know more about that. And me, we need to talk about you know Hammer as well, I suppose, because they're making some some headways and uh looks like an interesting tool um potentially i don't know yet um but i want to i want to have a look at it maybe get uc on you know what i mean he's a good lad isn't he we've had him on before haven't we uh not since i've been here no you haven't we had him in on the early days of the podcast yeah i think he was with i think he'd not like i don't know if he left ekahal by then or he was with ekahal i think he might have left ekahal you know what? Who cares? We'll get him back on. No, you'd say we don't want to talk about wireless, so we'll bring Chris on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right then, let's rock and roll. I'm going to go and finish watching the football then because the, the mighty Toon Army are winning 1 0. I went to Everton and uh, oh, it's tense, tense. You cut the atmosphere with a knife. Oh, we nearly they nearly scored. So, uh, so yeah. See ya.